So glad, though, that you took some time to join us. Welcome to Gospel. Uh, my name's Billy. Alongside my wife, we're the lead pastors here at this church plant. And uh, we have slated that we would launch our church officially January 2nd, 2022. <laughs> but you know God sometimes he doesn't like to wait. And so we're glad that you've joined us kind of in this pre-launch phase. Uh, to the, all the parents in the room, welcome. So glad you brought your kids. We will have Kids Church one day. Uh, we are building our kids' church teams, and so uh, don't feel bad if your kids are loud or anything. It's a very informal Bible study, and so we want to make sure that everyone feels welcome and uh, glad to be here. All right, with that being said, are you ready to get in the Word today? Amen. Yeah, do you have your Bible with you? If you do, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, and if you didn't bring a Bible, no worries. We got it on the Sky Bibles over here to my right. <laughs> it's a small font, actually, though. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, but I'm gonna read some scripture to you today, and if you're new to our church, new to the Bible, new to the person of Jesus, um, I, I, I was raised around Christian stuff, but never considered myself to be raised Christian. I think you can be raised in church, but not be raised in Christ. <laughs> you can be raised around religious stuff and miss the person and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives every day. So I'm new to Jesus, I met him like 10 years ago. Uh, my wife's been, you know, her family helped start the church that we came from almost 20 years ago. And so I've always tried to take that kind of new perspective towards Jesus. Nothing heretical, the Bible's clear, what's right, what's wrong. But a lot of people are intimidated by church. A lot of people are intimidated by going to the Bible because they feel like it's old, it's ancient, don't know what it means. So my goal for the next 20, 30 minutes is to help you make sense of what we're about to read. Um, and I'm excited, I'm excited. Philippians chapter two, if you got it, say I got it. Uh, this, is, this is a letter written by a guy named Paul. He's writing, to a, a, he's writing to Christians. So just to give you an idea, it's like 2,000 years ago, there's a group of Christians up in Philippi. It's, it's like, today it's like North Macedonia, I think. It's like the Middle East. But he's writing to Christians. These are people that love Jesus, they're doing Christian stuff, and he writes them to encourage them and to remind them of some things. And he says this, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Easier said than done. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So he says, just to frame us up here, he says, hey guys, don't think about yourself when you're doing all this Christian stuff. Like, I, it's not really how much scripture you know or like how good you're coming to church. He's like, that's all great. Yeah. But when it comes to reaching people, you got to think of others more than yourself. Yeah. Amen, right? That's, that's the way of Jesus. On the cross, he wasn't thinking about himself. He's thinking about us. He's thinking about this moment today, us gathering in here. He wasn't thinking about, well, I want to go back to heaven, put my feet up. No, he was like, I'm dying. I'm focused on others. So he says this, have this mind among yourself, which is in Christ Jesus, who, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Jesus was so humble that he became a man and did not try to you know, rescue himself from the life he lived here on earth. At one point he's hanging on the cross and they're like, if you're God, come down. But how many know it takes more faith to stay up on the cross sometimes? It takes more faith to stay in the struggle. It takes more faith to stay in the problem, not just to run, to, to deal with the issue head on. It takes more faith to do that. He says he didn't count as a thing to be grasped, one of my favorite verses, but he emptied himself. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. He humbled himself 
by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has exalted him, bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Uh, I wanna to talk to you about one of our core values today. This is week four of our value study, and I wanna talk about humility. And uh, the title of my message today is, very simple, Save Your Breath. Save Your Breath. See, a lot of Christians yelling and shouting at things that they easily could be saving that breath and using it for something else. Let's pray. Father, would you help us today in Jesus' name? And everybody said amen. amen. No time for a long prayer. Uh, turn to somebody and say, save your breath. Save your breath. Um, like I said earlier, my wife and I came from a church uh, in California called Destiny Church. That's where I got saved. That's where I met Jesus. Um, that's where my pastor started discipling me. And uh, my pastor, he was very into discipleship. He would just walk up to people and say, you want to come to my small group? I'm meeting with 12 guys this weekend. I want to teach you the Bible. And so I started studying with my pastor. And after like six months of studying with him, he was like, man, you're called to ministry. And I'll never forget the first time he invited me to go on a ministry trip with him. Okay, uh, my pastor gets to travel the world. He's spoken in Australia, he's spoken in New Zealand, he's spoken in South Africa, he's spoken in Europe, all those places. And so he said, I wanna take you on a trip to South Africa with me. And I'm like, man, this Jesus thing is pretty cool. If we go to South Africa, like I'm in for this. I remember we're in the airport, you know, and he's the man of God and I've got like his bag or something like that. I'm like, I got your Bible, pastor, no worries. And uh, I remember we were walking up to get our tickets checked and uh, this, this is a learning lesson. I said, let's get on this plane, man of God. We got a 14 hour flight to London and then down from London to South Africa. And we're walking towards like the check-in line and stuff and he gets his che ticket check and I'm right behind him and then he looks at me and says, oh, no, 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 bro. I was like, what you talking about? He says, your line is over there. And I was like, my line is over there. He's like, this is business class. You know, I'm, I gotta go here and I'm just bummer. You know what I mean? It was really sad. Um, but we get there to South Africa. We went on one of those safaris. And we went to this little lion park in Johannesburg where it's just a bunch of guys own the property. You drive up in your own vehicle. They open the gate, you drive in in your own vehicle and you can just drive around and see lions. And it was one of the most exhilarating and terrifying things I've ever done in my life. Like it was cool, but I was also like, I'm going to die today. And we, we came around this corner in the car and I'll never forget, I looked to my right and I got a picture of it and there was a lion sitting there on the right. And this lion, um, he, he looked like a real big lion. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> do you have a picture of the lion? This, this lion, uh, like just right out my window, I just rolled the window down and I just snapped a pic of this lion. Now what's interesting is I was terrified of this lion, but this lion never said anything. He never roared, he never shouted, you know, he just was standing there and then he sat down. And I noticed something about this lion that, that it was his posture, how he carried himself, that was more impactful than the noise that he made. Like, like, like his posture was more important than his roar. Because everyone knows lions roar. And there's something about being loud in today's culture that we love to say things loud. We love to make sure everyone knows how we feel. Everyone has their own opinion today. Everyone has a platform and that's great. I think society, we should be able to talk how we feel. But I've seen in myself a lot too, I don't act like this lion sometimes. People walk in and I try to say, look at Jesus, look how great he is. Look what he's telling you to do. Instead of just carrying myself like a Jesus follower and letting that speak louder than what I can say. Yeah. 
Um, I, I could probably say it better like this. Uh, when it comes to using the words of Jesus, like when we talk about Jesus in our points, in our arguments, whether we're talking politics, whether we're talking, you know, our favorite football team, whatever we're talking about, we try to say, here's Jesus. If we use the words of Jesus, we need to carry the posture of Jesus. What does that mean? Don't just tell people, here's what Jesus said is right and here's what Jesus said is wrong. Show them in your life that this is how I choose to live. There is big hype today around how loud can we be, how much can we do, and I just think we're stepping into a day and age when people are looking for real Christians. That's it, that's the, that's the thought. <laughs> They're looking for real Christians, people that are genuine in their faith, but are real in the sense that they're here on this earth. And they're going through life just like each one of us. One of the core values in our life is humility. We just say it like this. We don't know everything about life. We don't know everything about God. We don't know everything about what's currently happening. We choose the way of humility so that we can show people who Jesus is, not just tell them who he is. You ever had somebody come to you and tell you what to do and you're just like, I don't know you. Yeah, don't, don't, don't point at your spouse. Some of y'all be like, yes, I know what that's like. Um, the, the, there's, there's this thing like, like people in church sometimes feel intimidated because they come and they think they're going to hear all this stuff to go do. When the reality is our church wants to be a place where you see what Jesus did, you, you process that for yourself, and then you let that affect every area of your life. Um, there's a scripture in Romans chapter 14 that I want to show you, and uh, the message translation is more of a paraphrase. I don't, I don't really call it a translation because uh, they took the Greek text, they took the Hebrew text, and they kind of said, this is kind of what it looks like in modern language. And so the paraphrase says this. I want everyone to hear this. Welcome with open arms fellow believers who don't see the things the way you do. And don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with. Doesn't that hit home? Paul is writing, Paul again, writing to a church in Rome, and he's saying, let me talk to you about how you interact with other people. He's saying, because you guys are claiming to know Jesus. And when people come foot in your life, they don't care what church you go to, they're gonna say, you're a Christian, and that's how you act? Because some <laughs> you've heard the quote, we're the only Bible some people will ever read. Like, my life is the only time somebody in my world might experience Jesus. So rather than trying to come up with the perfect thing to say, I'd rather just live in a rhythm that points people to him. So look what Paul says. Don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with, even when it seems like they are strong on opinions but weak in the faith department. Remember, they have their own history to deal with. Treat them gently. Treat them gently. There's gonna be things we disagree with in life as believers. There's gonna be things that are happening right now uh, that as Christians we disagree with. There's, there's gonna be things in the Bible that are contradictory to the way that the world lives. And our job is to fight for this. Our job is to stand on this. I mean, we can have debates and conversations. We can talk about homosexuality. We can talk about politics. We can talk about all these issues. But what good is it to show you, here's, what, here's what's right, here's what's wrong, if I can't show you in love? If I can't lead you in a way that says this is what it's about. There, I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with people and, and it's like, I have a very big problem with this issue. And I say, that's great. Do you know anybody that are currently wrapped up in that issue? Because I think the church has to have a change of attitude without having a change of theology. I'm gonna say it again. 
Billy, what do you think about this political issue and what's happened and what's going on? Okay, our job as Christians is we can accept somebody into our life. We don't have to approve of everything they do for us to accept them and welcome them into our life. Are you with me? So there's times, even as Christians, we wanna jump up on a thing and pull the boar horn out and say, this is wrong, this is wrong. There's place for that. But I wanna be the type of church that shows people, regardless of where you come from, you're gonna experience God's love here, you're gonna experience His grace here. We're not gonna tell you what to do, we're gonna tell you what He did, and then we're gonna let that work itself into your life. So there's things about humility that, I, that I, I really think our church is gonna be built on. It's gonna make us in, into a place of love where people can come from anywhere. Um, mark my words, there will be people in this church one day that you're like, I, I can't believe they're here. <laughs> Just saying, like, I, that's what I think heaven's gonna be like. I think there's gonna be some people in heaven that you're surprised to see. <laughs> and here's the case, if you're gonna hang out with them in eternity, you better get to liking them right now. <laughs> But that's just the truth. So as we go through a couple things on humility, I'm going to give you what I think four things that humility requires. Um, But as we go through these things that humility requires, I want you to think about in your own world. Okay, we'll go back into Paul's uh, text. So number one, first thing humility requires is perspective. Perspective. Perspective is not what you see. Perspective is how you see. So we were singing I Exalt Thee just a few moments ago. Okay, a couple of people in the room, you remember that song. That hit, that just, you felt that. You know, other people, I haven't heard that song before. Two different people, they're experiencing it two different ways. But our job is to always show people the way of humility, the way of Jesus, is not what am I seeing, but it's how am I seeing it. Paul says it like this, let each of you not look to its own interests, but to the interests of others. Perspective. Is it all about you? Because if it's always about you, you will get stressed out really quick. If it's always about me and what's next for me and what's happening for me, I'm unable to love the people who are in front of me because I'm thinking about what I gotta do. It's about humility. Uh, perspective, perspective is interesting. There's a couple stories in the Bible I wanna show you. Uh, the first is about a man named Abraham. Um, Abraham, this is Genesis chapter 12. Uh, this is the father of many nations. His name used to be Abram. God speaks to him one night and says, Abram, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And Abram's like, I'm old, man. How am I going to have kids? And the Lord does something interesting. He says, get out of your tent. And he says, and look up to the stars in the sky. And you see all the stars up there? That's how many kids you're going to have. Now, I don't want you to miss this. Abraham, get out of your tent before I show you what I want to show you. If you're trying to see what I want to show you from your comfort, you're going to see the roof of your tent. Hey, Billy, I'm calling you to Fredonia. Well, can't I do that in here in California? No, you're going to see the lid in California. You're going to see this. I need to get you out of what you're comfortable in so I can show you what I want to do next. Most people don't take this step. Jesus says, I want to do something in your life. And we're like, can you do it right here? Like, because I love you, Jesus. I want you to meet me here. But perspective says, until I show you what I'm seeing, you might have to change your view. (laughs) The role of a Christian is not to not to look up at problems like, oh God, how are we gonna get through this? The role of a Christian is we're already on top, man. Jesus has already paid the price. We're looking down on these problems like, man, how do I wanna win this one today? Requires perspective. Moses was another guy. God said, Moses, I wanna meet with you. Moses, okay, meet me on top of this mountain. (laughs) I would would have not been a good Moses in that moment. (laughs) All the way up on the mountain? I didn't bring my hiking boots, I'm not ready, are you sure? 
Yeah, me either. I can't stand high places. So what God does is, watch this, he says, let's get you higher so that you can see things differently. Jesus one day was talking to his disciples, talking about miracles, talking about salvation. And he says, guys, the kingdom is here. And then he says this, lift up your heads for the, the, the harvest is ripe. You see what's happening? Perspective, lift, look differently. Question for everybody in the room. How does God want to change or grow my perspective? How does God want to change or grow my perspective? That's the question for you today. What things in life does God want to change your perspective on? How is he wanting to take this season as we're planning a church and getting ready? What does he want to change your view about? I think one of the best things for Randy and I is we didn't grow up in Fredonia so, or Dunkirk. So when we're like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this, and people are like, oh, I don't know, you know, it's like, I don't know, that's great. It doesn't mean anything to us. We're new. So we're going to see if it works, and if it doesn't work, should have listened. But you know, just saying, like, perspective is so important when it comes to being humble. Secondly, number two, when it comes to humility. Humility requires pain. Humility requires pain. What does that mean? You can either choose to be humble or you can be humbled. You ever been humbled before? You ever been humbled where it's like, oh, Bishop, wow, you didn't have to say that. You can choose to be humble or you can be humbled. There's something about pain, though, that God loves to whip things up with pain. God loves to take what you went through and use it to bring glory to his name. God loves to take that thing that you never told anybody about. And he's going to introduce you to some young girl that's been going through the same thing. And you're going to feel that like, oh, I should tell her my story. Because our pain connects us. Success doesn't really connect us. Because some people are successful. Other people are still trying to get successful. Success looks different in different eyes. But one thing we can all agree on, we've all experienced pain. We've all experienced loss. We've all experienced something that just kind of messed us up a little bit. Paul goes on. He says this same text that we started with. Speaking of Jesus, he says, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. He took the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. He humbled himself by becoming obedient. Man, I wish I had time to just go over those two words because becoming obedient, that's a whole journey. Okay, (laughs) becoming obedient to the point of death. Jesus' humility was birthed from a place of pain. So if you've been through something, you're in good company. If, if you've experienced pain, if you've experienced betrayal, if you've experienced hurt, maybe you yourself are going through things and you feel like there's things in my life I haven't fixed, you're in good company. I don't want to be a perfect church. We, I was thinking about, let's put a door on the front that says no perfect people allowed. <laughs> but then I'm sure there's somebody out there that would say that's discrimination and they wouldn't want to come in. You know what I'm saying? But pain is required for humility. Here's the question for you today as a church, as a community of Jesus followers. Question is, how does God want to use my pain? Almost. (laughs) How does God want to use my pain? Just this week, just think about that. What pain have I been through? Now the question is, how does God want to use it? Uh, Many of you know my story, I'm a cancer survivor. Um, went through like eight months of chemotherapy and I remember a year after getting healed I was on my way to go to church to preach at a youth event and I was driving by the same place that I got chemotherapy and I was driving and I just felt this touch from the Holy Spirit said go go in there I'm like I'm done with cancer are you kidding me like I'm free indeed you know (laughs) 
And just this tugging on my heart, just go in there. So I drive in the parking lot, go in, and the receptionist right away, Billy, oh my gosh, you look great. You know, I was there like 40 hours a week. I used to do eight hours a day for five days. So I was one of the, one of the fam there, you know? And uh, I meet my chemo nurse and she says, I can't believe you're here. And I go, why? She goes, I have a new patient today. He's the same age you were when you got diagnosed, same kind of cancer. He has the same doctor you have, and he's on the same regimen of chemo that you were on. Can you meet him? What is that? That's God saying, just because you are over it doesn't mean I'm done with it. Just because you've gotten over something doesn't mean God doesn't want to use it for his glory. I want to say, are you, are you from a broken family? Well, there's broken families now that need encouragement. Are you a divorce? Have you divorced? Are you on your second or third marriage? Is that something that people have looked at you funny with? No, there's other second and third marriages that need your story. We want to be a place where God uses that pain, where you can be vulnerable and say, this is who I am. It's what I've been through. And God can use it for his glory. We say it like this at our church. What you've been saved for is greater than what you've been saved from. If you're looking for like a one-liner statement, what you've been saved for is greater than what you've been saved from. I got saved from cancer. But imagine if every Sunday I was like, all right, guys, let's talk about how I got healed of cancer. After about a couple months, some of y'all would go, okay, this is great, but like, why are you keep talking about what you got saved from? Like, what's next? That, that would be equivalent if you met a Christian and, and you say, how are you doing today? And they pulled out a baby picture and they were like, look at me, this is when I first got, this, you would say that, you're crazy. <laughs> Same way in Christians, when we say, I've been a Christian for this long, we shouldn't just tell people our conversion experience. Yeah. We should tell them, what's God doing now? What does he want to do in your family? What's yeah. next? Yeah. What does that look like? So God wants to use your pain. Number three, when it comes to humility, humility requires a promise. Like, God, if I'm going to be humble, what's it for? You ever feel like God tells you to do something and you're like, I don't get it. Be humble. Jesus said, someone hits you on the right cheek, give them the other cheek. What? That doesn't make any sense. Someone asks you to go one mile, go two miles. They want one cloak, give them an extra cloak. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, trust me, there is a promise attached to living this way. People in your life look at you and they say, all hell is breaking loose, but you seem cool as a cucumber. What's going on? You're like, I got a promise from heaven. Yeah. I might be impacted by this, but I'm not moved by this. This doesn't change anything for me. Humility might look funny to people in this life. But those of us that know what we're doing next, what, what God has for us next, we know humility is like a prerequisite for God to experience God. I would go as far to say, you can't even be a Christian without humility. Because to be a Christian is to admit that you can't do it on your own and that Jesus did it for you. So when I meet mean Christians or arrogant Christians or prideful Christians, that's an oxymoron. That, that doesn't work. Like a prideful Christian. Those are two different things. A Christian is one who's humble to the point of death, like Jesus. So there's a promise attached to it. I'm almost done here as I close. Uh, verse 9 says this, Therefore God has exalted him and bestowed on him the one that is above every name. So Jesus, remember the first text, Jesus humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. But the promise was... God exalted him. So there is something here about principally, there's something about saying, when I go low, God lifts me up. When I am weak, the Bible says, he is strong. There's a promise attached to being humility. If you're here today and you think humility is weakness, 
you might be looking at humility the wrong way. There's nothing greater than that contentment you get from being humble. I'm just saying it's not about me. Uh, I, I was, you know, we were living in LA last year when all these kind of race riots and all this big conversation politically started taking place. And, um, you know, West Hollywood, we, my wife worked in West Hollywood and so we had an apartment in West Hollywood, but our, our church was like maybe 30 minutes south, you know, six miles, but 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's LA. And, um, and there, was a, there was a time where it's like, we were watching like right on the street in front of our apartment, there's like police officers getting attacked and like people just running amok in the streets and everybody is mad. And, and listen, we can get into all that stuff. We'll have space for that. On a Sunday morning, you, you'll never be able to tell what kind of church we are because it's always gonna be about Jesus, okay? But there was something that happened where people would say, aren't you mad about this? Don't you think we should do something about this? And I'm like, man, I'm gonna pray. And I'm like, well, aren't you tired of praying? I was like, well, I'm a pastor. That's what the first thing I do. Okay, I'm, I'm always gonna pray. I don't know what else you want from me. Like, I'm always gonna pray. But once I got into the presence of God and, and, and I was calling my friends and I was calling people on both sides of the argument, I was calling people that were genuinely devastated and were grieving all last year. And then I called other people on this side that were like, I, I don't understand. And they asked, why aren't you like being reacted by this? Like, why aren't you getting triggered by this? And I was like, because vengeance is a dangerous word. Because we want vengeance, we want, you know, we want it to get back but we don't have the power to do that. So we've got this wishful thinking for something that policies and procedures might help, but only God can give us the thing we're asking for. Yeah. And there was this promise that the Lord said, don't worry, I'm gonna make it all right one day. And I'm like, okay, like next week, next year, like in 10 years, no, 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 like the next life. Like yeah. justice is when God comes back and makes all things right. So that's why when people are saying, aren't you mad? I'm like, no, no, my God is in control. Well, don't you think we should go do this? Well, let's, let's think about it, but ultimately he's the one that'll make it right. There's a promise attached to that humility. So there's perspective, there's pain, there's a promise. Lastly, number four, there is peace. Humility requires, but it also gives peace. Peace is something we all want, huh? Everybody wants peace. Just want to be able to go to bed tonight. Just want to be able to rest. You know, the, the, the sleeping pill uh, industry has just exploded the last couple decades because people just don't know how to rest. Just can't stop thinking, can't stop doing this. Can't, I just want to go to sleep, just need peace. Just want to be okay. Just want to feel peace on the inside. The Apostle Paul, the next chapter, writes this, and this is the secret to peace. This is the, this is the secret recipe, okay? He says, how I praise the Lord that you're concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned about me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Verse 11, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live with almost nothing, and I know how to live with everything. I have learned the secret. So this is something not a lot of people get. When Paul says secret, he's like, hey, this is insider information. For those that are willing, it's available. He says, I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether with a full stomach or an empty stomach with plenty or little. This is the secret. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I was thinking about save your breath. And I was thinking about as we worship today, what that felt like for you in the room to sing to God.
Our church, we sing like God's actually in the room. <laughs> That's what we believe. Like we believe when we call upon his name, like he, his spirit is here. And so we sing like he's right here. But there is something about declaring these words with that peace in your soul. You know what they mean, not just literally, but like you know what it means for your soul. And I think a lot of times I'm struggling with things because I'm taking my breath that I can give to God and he can give it back in strength and I'm giving it to other things. And I'm giving my focus and I'm giving my energy and I'm giving my attention to things that can't do anything for me. When I worship God, he shows up, he tells me it's okay. Things don't change right away on the outside, but I tell you what, something on the inside changes immediately. When I give him my breath, he gives it back. When I give my breath to Facebook and the latest rant going on about how different things are and what are we gonna do? And I say, wow, okay, I can give my breath to this or I can go give it to my neighbor who's actually in need of love and encouragement. So here's my question for you. First of all, do you have peace? But like, do you have peace with God? There, there, the, the, the doctrine of the Bible when it comes to the gospel is God created everything and he wanted us to be right there with him. But we sinned and fell short. And now that wrath that God has towards man has to be satisfied. God is not at peace with man until the pain and the agony of sin has been paid for. And so Jesus comes, he dies for you and I so that we could have peace with God. So that, yes, I sin, I, I'm a sinner. But you know when you're saved, not when you stop sinning, but when you hate sinning. The goal of being a Christian is not to stop sinning, it's just to hate sin, it just feels different now. It feels foreign, I can't just go out and party like I did when I was 16, it just feels wrong. In my context, it just feels weird. So are you at peace with God today? When you think about him, what do you think? I think the most important thought in your life is what do you think about God? That thought shapes every other thought. Like if you think God is like this guy that really doesn't care and he's up there and he's like, you gotta do this stuff for me, then you're gonna be like, okay, he's distant. But if you see God as like Jesus, who came in the form of a man and died, dude, Jesus was betrayed. Dude, Jesus had people, false assumptions made about him. Jesus had people say, well, Jesus said this, but we think he actually means this, so we're gonna cancel him. Like Jesus knew that, that feeling. So are you at peace with God? Yes. Secondly, are you at peace with yourself? Like God loves you, he died for you. You can receive that today and say, yes, I feel better after going to gospel church. But what about tomorrow? Are you at peace with yourself? When you wake up, do you look at yourself and go, I love me. God made me. He, he, I'm his favorite. I told someone that the other day. They're like, nah, -uh, I'm his favorite. <laughs> but when we're humble friends, that's when we can experience that peace that's so accessible. Stressed out Christians, worried Christians, all that stuff, it's real feelings. But as the church, we wanna be people that grabs those feelings and redirects them towards God. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna be humble. We're gonna to try to be like Jesus. Jesus emptied himself. What does that mean? That means like 4th of July weekend's coming, you're gonna see some family. You're gonna see that the family member, you know, the uncle, you, you gotta to explain to people why he's that way. Humility says before I walk in the room, I'm gonna empty myself of what I wanna say, and I'm just gonna love. 
When you see that person that might have, you know, stabbed you in the back, or maybe you have a bad run-in with them, instead of you run into them in the grocery store, how are you gonna let it affect you? I'm gonna empty myself of what I wanna say, and I'm gonna take the form of humility. Lord, we love you today. Thank you uh, for meeting with us. Thank you for showing us that humility is needed for us to thrive in this life. I pray for my friends today that as we keep this thought going all this week, show them how you want to change their perspective. Show them what you want to do with their pain. I'd like to give someone a chance here today. Maybe you don't know Jesus and you're like, I don't even know where to start. I want that peace. Friend, you can't have peace with yourself until you have peace with God. And if you'd like to know Jesus today, uh, in your heart, right there, would you repeat this prayer with me? Would you say, dear God, thank you for your son Jesus. I believe that he died for me. Today I want to live for him. I believe he rose again, so today I rise again. Change my perspective. I look towards you again, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, did you receive that word today, everyone? Um, a couple of quick things before I dismiss. I'm going to pray over you guys before we dismiss. Uh, first of all, if you want to know, like, how to stay connected, here's, here's kind of where we're at. We are going to meet here probably again next week. Um, but the time's going to come where it's going to be like, okay, we're meeting here now. And if we don't have your information, you like to get updates, easiest way to do it is go to our website or just text the word FRESH to 94000. And if you send that, that text, it'll send you a couple links. Um, check it out. You know, there's one that says, I'm new to gospel. We'd love just to get your info, just so we can send a blast out when we change venues or anything like that. Secondly, July 10th, everyone say July 10th, July 10th. is Serve Day is what we're calling it here um, in Western New York. Um, we're looking for a team to, we're doing three different projects. We have some elderly people in Fredonia. We're just going to go get some things for them, go love on them. We're going down to Point Gratia. We talked to some people in Dunkirk. We're going to go clean that area up and just go love on some people down there. And then uh, we're going to go do laundry of love. What's laundry of love? Just show up at the, we're going to show up at the laundromat and just pay for everyone's laundry in there. And we're not gonna hang out there long, but we're just gonna go there and just say, hey, we're a church in town, it's serve day, we're here to love on you, here's some quarters, be blessed. Like, just to start doing stuff in the community that makes people know we're not just here to do this. This is fun, but this is one day a week for one hour. <laughs> I, want, I wanna live this out every day. So if you're interested in joining that team, wanna come out on a serve day, you get a free t-shirt, says gospel on it. Um, text that number, go to our website, give us your info, and it'd be great, all right? Good? Okay, let's all stand. I'm gonna dismiss you guys. Where, where I came from, my home church, um, my pastor would often refer to Numbers chapter six before he would dismiss us. And today we sang that song, The Blessing. That, that song is actually about Numbers chapter six. And what would happen is the church would all get together and then when they would leave, they would all say, we receive this over our life as we go. And so what I'm going to ask you to do just as a sign of faith is you can stretch your hands if you want. You can open them right there. But I'd like to just end the week by praying this blessing over you. And then when you leave, you can say, I've been blessed. I'm ready to go. It's nothing magical. Nothing like, oh, Billy, bless me. Everything's like, nah, we ain't like that. But it's, it's scriptural. The Bible says when the flock leaves, pray a blessing of the Lord over them. And so right where you're at, if you're comfortable, may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. 
We pray over your family today, your children, your children's children. We pray over the name that is in your family that it would continue to grow and thrive. We pray over your perspective this week that God would show you how to see things. We pray over your heart this week that you'd be engaged with life and excited about what he's doing. So we bless you now in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen and amen. We love you guys. Have a great week. Hang out. We'll see you next week.